0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode two hundred and three. There can be only one. Welcome back, everyone. I have a special guest today. This is really exciting. I have Jason Carr of GMT Games. He is a game developer. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. All right, yeah. Thank you for coming on. I, I had Jason come on because he is managing GMT One, which is their new uh, branding of. Um, solo design house at gmt games right now you guys have been designing solo games for a while and and solo friendly games for a while but but now you're sort of making it even more of official or more of a thing at least it seems like it
1: yeah that's that's true um gmt one is something that i kind of came up with as a Mm -hmm. as a pitch to gene the kind of principal at gmt the and um i went to him and basically said look People, this was before the pandemic, before there was, um, you know, such a push for solitaire games. And I just said, our our solitaire games get played a lot, mm-hmm. and and the games that we ship that have solitaire systems get played a lot. And I see all these people online saying, "Oh yeah, I went out and got this game, and I love the idea of it, but I haven't been able to find anybody to play it with," and yep. that just made me sad. So <laughs> I said, "Look, we can do a favor to our." To our customers by thinking about how they will play these games solitaire. That doesn't always mean putting a bot in it. It doesn't right. always mean that we uh, that we're going to do extra design, but it does mean that we've thought about what would it look like for somebody who doesn't have an opponent for these games. How could they play it? How can they enjoy it? And that's really what caused us to do mm-hmm. uh, GMT One.
0: Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, whenever you go on PGG, look at the forums. You start looking at the forums in the variant section. You know, invariably one of the top five questions is. Can you play this solo, right? Everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants to know about it. So, I mean, it makes yep. sense to support it. So, so let, let's talk about you real quick, just so people get to know who you are. You're Jason Carr. Um, what's your background? What, what are you? You're a game developer. What does that mean?
1: Yeah. So, my day job is software. So, I'm a software okay. engineer. Um, been doing that for a long time. Uh, I've, I'm a little bit newer to wargaming. I've only been doing wargaming for maybe five or six years. Um, kind of got into wargaming through Twilight Struggle. And then mm-hmm. actually my first real wargame was Virgin Queen. Oh, which okay. T- people hear that and they go, wow, you, do- you dove in the deep end. And yeah, it was fun. Um, and I got hooked up with Mike Berticelli, um, who was the designer of Tank Duel and worked okay. with him on Tank Duel and actually ended up kind of going from being a tester to being a developer, co-developed that one um and then uh from there just got deeper and deeper into it so i did gandhi and then i worked on labyrinth forever war with trevor bender and then i did space corp Adventures with john butterfield um and and all of those games have a solo component and i realized Mm -hmm. oh hey this solo thing that's where i can make my mark that's where i can be there you go uh be able to contribute so that's what i've been doing yep
0: and so game development is do you think that's different from software development? Sometimes it's similar.
1: Yeah, it's really similar. Okay. So I, I was just saying to somebody else, uh, software is like, uh, when you work on software, you have to take a system, you have to understand all the mm-hmm. different pieces of the system and how they connect to each other. And then you, you take them apart to change them and then you have to put them all back together so everything still works. And sometimes when you change part A, you break part B.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: software is all about that understanding of the system and how do you change it and evolve it collectively. And I think games are exactly the same. Like yeah, when you are building sense. a game, you have all these subsystems. And when you change one of them, if it breaks another one or it makes it less good, you haven't done your job right. So it's really satisfying.
0: Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a user asks you, hey, can you add this new feature? It'd be real simple. It's like, well, yeah, I, I could add that, but it's going to change everything else, you know? And I, I, you know, who knows what'll happen?
1: Yep. That yeah, that's like exactly how game, games are. Right? It might seem simple to say, oh, we'll just change this to be on a card. But <laughs> that can have all these effects that that change not only the way the game plays, but the way the player actually physically interacts with the game,
0: which mm-hmm. is something
1: that I don't think enough designers think about.
0: Yep. Yep. It, same with software design because a lot of times designers because I'm also a software designer who I tend to be more of a program. I love programming. I've been programming forever. The a lot of people when they're programming they say, "Oh, this is going to be really cool. I'm going to make this change. It's going to be really awesome because it's really technically interesting. To change what I did, but it's totally unusable or or worthless right. for a user. You know, I've done that's like, oh, I really enjoy doing this, and when when ask the users, check this out, what I did. Uh, yeah, but I never do that in the app. I don't care. Yeah, It's cute. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's important to think about it from both the the user or the gamer's point of view and, and the at and the publisher. know, what's your goal, and what's the gamer's goal, and where does everything in the meet in the middle? I guess.
1: Yeah, I think I think the pandemic has actually made this harder for designers because so many of the designers are now testing online mm-hmm. using tabletop simulator, and and tabletop simulator is amazing. It, it's mm. just a, a wonderful tool to enable us to play together when we can't be together. Right, but. That's not the same thing as setting a game up at a table and actually playing through it. So I, I think I saw somebody, a pretty well-known designer comment the other day that they played a new game and it was clear that the game had been tested on tabletop simulator because oh, everybody think. had to stand up the whole time they were playing it so they could reach everything.
0: Oh, it never, <laughs> yeah, because when you're playing online, you don't have to reach for anything. It's as far as right. your mouse, yeah.
1: Right. So there's some there's some thought that has to go into the ergonomics of yep. a game and to me, the king of that is Jerry White. If you've ever played a Jerry White game, um, Enemy mm-hmm. Coast Ahead, or Skies Above the Reich, or Atlantic Chase, which just came out. Okay. Jerry very clearly has thought through, how are players going to hold these player aids in their hand? how are they going, Where are they going to set them? What are they going to do um, with all of the materials that are in the box? And how is the board laid out so that it's easy to manipulate everything? And he's he's so good at that.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I like that. I have to check out his games again. I had Enemy Coast Ahead in... I was not able to get into it and traded it off with somebody. And I don't remember what it was. I played the first scenario. And then I realized that that was really just the beginning of a much bigger game. It's like, I don't yeah. have time for this. I would love to do this. Which is often check my out
1: Check out Skies Above the Reich. That, to me, is the one that I think he gets, he gets the most accessible. Okay. Um, because the missions are real short. So you play a series of missions. Kind of like if you've ever played any of the DVG Leader games. Okay. Um, one mission isn't the point it's the campaign it's the way the story is told across six or eight or ten sorties exactly. now is that, that's, uh, yeah.
0: is that game on p500 now or is that already out
1: no that's out so is, okay. skies above the Reich. actually it's i think it's on, i think it's up for reprint now i think it's sold out but um, storm above the reich is the sequel and that'll come out later uh, okay um, this year maybe next year and then there's a battle of britain version of that that's also in development um, okay. where you'd be able to play as the as the RAF instead of the Luftwaffe.
0: I might have backed that one. I'm not sure. I'll have to check. <laughs> okay. So th- this could be a very long conversation cuz we're already like drifting off into all sorts of things about you. <laughs> so, yeah. I assume you play games and I assume you yeah. play solo games. Okay. What kind of games do you like?
1: Oh, man. I love I kind of love everything. I'm I'm an omni gamer, so okay. I will play everything from miniatures games to role-playing games uh to heavy war games, to light war games, Euro games. But lately, um, I just got my advanced copy of Space Court Ventures. So okay. I've been playing the heck out of that. And that is just a super fun solitaire game. Um, coming from one of the masters of solitaire war games, John Butterfield. I mean, nice. okay. how do you get yep. much better than that? Yeah. So I've been playing that a lot. I've also been playing the new solitaire bots that are going to go into um, Fire in the Lakes expansion, The Fall Oh, ah, okay. So... Been testing those for Bruce Mansfield, and they're a ton of fun. The narrative is really rich in that game because it's such an evocative period of history. Um, so that's been a ton of fun to play as well.
0: Nice. Okay, so the, the, that's a coin game, right? And the early yes. coin coin games were all um, using spreadsheets and flowcharts for the bots, and I understand the new ones use cards now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is so that the, also use cards? Yeah, this one's going to use cards. So we Fire in the Lake was volume four.
0: Mm -hmm. And it has
1: flowcharts that come with the game that can control the different factions. And the flowcharts were done by um, Urian Ariander. um, And they are really capable opponents. Um, Some people find them a little clunky to use. So um, when we did the cards for Gandhi, there was a big request to do cards for Fire in the Lake. Mm -hmm. And Volko and Mark Herman... Volko Runke and Mark Herman, came to us and said, we're doing this expansion to Fire in the Lake. We want cards to be the bot for that game. And so Bruce said, yes, I'll do that. Well, you can't design bots that can play an expansion to a game unless they can play the base game too. So mm-hmm. we had to do bots for Fire in the Lake. So those came out um, early this year. Okay. Or late last year. I can't remember. And and they've been well-received. People like them. They, I think they're better for a pure solitaire experience. So if you are playing by yourself and you have to control three other factions with bots, I think the card based bots are a little better. Okay. If you're playing with three players and you need to simulate one faction, I think the flow charts are a little bit better opponent for that. We kind of optimized for the solitaire player a little bit. Cool. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're going to do cards in the, in the fall of Saigon expansion as well.
0: Nice. Okay. Man. So many things that I want to check out. I've got Gandhi and I haven't played it yet, so I need to check it out because I I'd heard it had cards, but I really haven't seen how that feels different from the other games. I've played Cuba Libre, uh-huh. and yeah, the flow charts were overwhelming for me. Eventually, I just said, you know, I give up, and I just you know played all four sides, and and managed that way. So I said, I think this is what the bot wants to do. I'll do that for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should you should check out the bots in Gandhi. They're they're different. Okay. They're a little. They're a Bruce is a Bruce is a teacher by trade, and so. He spends a lot of time thinking about how we express the information, and it's super complex information. How do we make that accessible to a player? So there's still work to do, but I think they're a lot better.
0: Gotcha. Okay, okay. So we moving forward, we've already talked about what GMT One is. Basically, we said it's basically a new design house to to make sure that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna assume every game that GMT makes at least is considered to see if it could support solitaire player or not. So it's, it's a design house to To add it where it makes sense.
1: That's close. I mean, we're never going to make a designer add solitaire to their game. So we are a Mm -hmm. little bit more of a volunteer um, proposition. So a designer who wants to have solitaire play in their game can come talk to us and we can help them add it. Yep. There's some games we're never going to do anything with. I'll just give you an example. Um, Mark Simonich's 40 series, uh, Normandy 44, Holland 44, those games. Mm -hmm. They don't really need anything because the information's all open and you can play both sides really easily. So we're not going to do bots for those. We're not going to go try to make solitaire play for those better because they all are already pretty suitable for playing both sides.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And but so, something,
1: like a, you know, something like a CDG yes. where you have hidden information, those are really hard to play both sides.
0: Right. And so Jose and Ruiz so, came out with that solo thing. And I talked to him two weeks ago and had a really good conversation with him. That was fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Talking.
1: Yeah. He's a great... I mean, the, mm-hmm. the way that he thought about that and the way that he enabled players to play solo and, and experience the narrative of a game without having to run a bot was just brilliant. And it it so, really
0: is. I keep thinking about it. It's like, c- cause it's such a simple system. There's almost nothing right. to what he did. And, and, and it works so well. Right. I haven't yeah. tried it. It sure looks like it works. Well, I should say, Oh, but I mean, I have <laughs> tried
1: it. I've played commands and colors okay. with it. I've played uh, Washington's war for the people I've played uh, Caesar Rome versus Gaul. And, mm-hmm. and it's just as satisfying almost as satisfying as playing too. Clear. Okay. Um, it's still, you still have to kind of try to outsmart yourself, but right. you're limited in the choices you can make. So there's a real crunchy problem to try to solve every turn. And that is what makes it so exciting and what makes the narrative really shine.
0: Right. Through. Yeah. And so I think my listeners tend not to be like, you know, I don't know more. I have, I think I have 500 or so listeners. I don't really know, but they 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 tend to be, I think the kinds that like not playing against yourself so much as playing against a system. Yeah. And so, so that works well for that person, where where you still get to make some tough choices, and yeah, you are gonna have to decide, make choices. Like I know I'm gonna tag myself, and I know this might really hurt, but this is probably the smart thing to do against myself, and and you kind of like gotta finagle that, but
1: but there's no guarantee you'll be able to, which is right. I think where where the system really shines is because there's no guarantees. You can't you you have to kind of play like you would play against a person. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to keep your the system keeps you honest. Mm-hmm, and that's yep. that's what's needed in that environment so yep and you still have the
0: fog of war and you still have you still got to make choices which you don't know what right. the best answer is and that's interesting that's always fun trying to make I, a I choice. absolutely agree mm-hmm. cool okay um so gmt1 doesn't work for every game but when you can and able to you'll you'll look into to applying i don't know the gmt1 methodology whatever that means <laughs> yeah to a game okay yeah i think that's fair okay very cool. Um, so, and so what are we talking about? I kind of th- think we've already hinted at this a lot, but are we talking about adding the AIs or making the game player versus player or, or adding like adding player versus player scenarios or what?
1: Well, it's a game by game thing. So, okay. what we do is, is apply the development principles that we've learned um, through repeatedly working on solitaire systems. So, right now, GMT1 is about eight. Developers strong. So, some of those mm-hmm. folks are designers who work on other games. Some of them are developers who work for GMT directly. And we, um, ha- d- designers will approach us and say, Yeah, we want to put solitaire play in our game. Uh, can you help us? And sometimes they have a system in mind and we are just developing that system. Sometimes they have no idea. Um, so if a, I'll give you a good example of this, Perry Silverman, who designed Illusions of Glory, came to okay. us and said, I really want to put solo play in my game. And I looked at illusions and I said, this is a perfect candidate for the Stuka Joe CDG system. And so that's actually the reason that we went out and reached out to Jose and said, hey, we'd like to do a GMT version of this was a designer came to me and said, I want to add Solo to a game. And I said, the best way to do this is the CDG system, not a bot. Because a Mm -hmm. bot for illusions of glory would be so complicated. Nobody would ever use it.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that makes sense. So you already had something and you could use it. And all you have to do is, tweak it and use one of those tweak sheets basically
1: exactly exactly right and so now we've got seven games that are that Mm -hmm. are set up for that with um, we'll do seven more or eight more or nine more in our next round of tweak sheets and the developer for that system ken Kuhn, is really good at putting them together so now we're experimenting with things like what would a four-player cdg look like with the stuka joe system Mm -hmm. and and starting to expand it and think outside the box which is super exciting so um, wow, okay. But then, you know, we, we also get completely different things like Fred Serval, the designer of Red Flag over Paris, um, wanted solo play in his game. And, and Red Flag over Paris is based on the Fort Sumter series mm-hmm. or Fort Sumter game by Mark Herman. But it has a lot of changes. It's it's really it evolves the system a lot. And Fred asked for the solo system. And so we were building something new from scratch. We couldn't use a system that already existed. But we could use the things that we'd learned doing bots for coin games, doing bots for Tank Duel, doing bots for Space Corp, um, which, you know, as a developer, you always want to be learning from other people. I always try to make myself the dumbest person in the room, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Um, and and with Red Flag Over Paris, we designed a new system from scratch.
0: Nice. Okay, cool. So I'm looking forward to that one. I know I've got that one on my P500.
1: Yeah, that one's yeah. a lot of fun. It's That was my favorite game of the last year. During the pandemic, I just played it a lot wow okay. and that's actually a lot of why the solo system for it exists is i wanted to be able to keep playing it <laughs> even when i didn't have an opponent nice so,
0: so where in the development process is that game now
1: that's uh going to the printer is it already wow okay yeah so the game's completely done the art was done by um donal uh Hagerty, and it is spectacularly good art i mean nice it definitely raises the bar for for gmt games Cool. Okay. Um, which we're always trying to one up ourselves. That's my that's my goal. Every game I do, I want it to be more interesting and more creative and better looking than the last one.
0: That mm-hmm. I did.
1: Um, the solitaire cool. system is done in the box, go into the printer with it, and um, I just got the box art yesterday to look at, and it looks phenomenal.
0: So wow, cool. Okay, okay. So you working in one hundred percent of your time GMT one, or do you have other hats on the GMT?
1: Yeah, so I wear a lot of hats at GMT. I started out as the coin system, the coin series developer, Mm -hmm. um, which I still am. And um, I've built a team of people that support coin. So we have um, a set of developers and um, Joe Dewhurst is one of them. He's developing, um, helps me develop coin games. And uh, we have a series developer just for Solitaire now, Kevin Crooks, who's going to be helping with the Solitaire systems for all the coming coin games.
0: Oh, okay. as well as
1: backporting the cards to other games so you know you mentioned other coin games using the flowcharts there's been a, an, a request that we do cards for some of the old games so as people feel led to do that they are welcome to uh, you know i have a lot of documentation i'd love to help them out but um we're going to try to backport those cards to some of the other games oh, and then yeah. um and then i also have uh, a handful of developers who are working on the various titles um coming up and those folks work with me closely so it's a, it's all a team effort i can't do it all myself you know? right yeah um, yeah and then a my other major role at gmt is i'm actually the head of development for the whole company so oh, wow. i work with our developer and designer teams and make sure they have what they need and um I'm still in the process of kind of engaging with all of them. It's only I, That's only effective as of this year, but um, it's really exciting, like building out some standards and some processes in the ways that we mm. do things and develop games and, um, you know, helping refine our rule books. And as always, we're trying to reduce the amount of mistakes and errata that get put into the game. Right. So we're, we're working hard on that. But um, So that's a, nice. that's a big job and it's a lot. That's cool, yeah.
0: I, I like that you're working on standards because... You know, standards always make everything better in terms of process. Yeah. It it can be challenging to get standards going because you got people that are used to doing things a different way and and then you gotta work with them, but but once you have them there, it's it's so easy to fall back on that and it just helps. As a software guy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes me happy. (laughs) Okay. Um yeah, my next question. I have a list of questions here. There are not many of them, but you've again have already pretty much answered all these. Um, how is GNT one gonna affect a game's development process?
1: right is it that's that's a great question okay that's a great question so um gmt1 i i've sat down with bruce back when we were developing the bots for um for gandhi and one of the things that we talked about was um developing a set of principles that we could use to govern the way that we designed the bot so we didn't want to just make a bot that could play the game really well we wanted to think about What does it mean to develop a solitaire system? And what is a good solitaire system versus a bad one? Um, And so one of the things I was inspired by as a software guy is the Agile Manifesto. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's a, for those who might not be familiar, that's just a set of principles that are expressed as trade-offs. And so um, the Agile Manifesto is a set of statements. We value one thing over another. And those two things are usually in tension with each other. So we wrote out four principles for GMT-1. Um, We value the intent of the designer over enhancement of a game in order to make it solitaire suitable. Um, We value simplicity over cleverness. Mm -hmm. We value usability over completeness. And we value clarity over thoroughness. And so those four principles guide everything that we do in all of our solitaire systems.
0: Okay. It sounds like it's... the first one is about make, taking care of your, your designer, which makes sense. That's right. The rest sound like it's really about keeping the thing simple and usable from a, from a player's point of view.
1: Usability has to be king. And mm-hmm. I was listening to Cole, uh, Cole Worley from Leader Games, mm-hmm. uh, the designer of Root, John Company, Pax yes. Um, I love his games. I was listening to him on a podcast. He went on a a Twilight Imperium podcast, I think it was, (laughs) and he was talking about his process of solitaire game design, and and he's not a solitaire gamer nor a solitaire game designer. Okay. But he was saying that it really unlocked for him when he realized that solitaire players don't just want a friction machine. They don't want some kind of robot that's going to push back on them and just make their life hard. They want something that helps them experience the narrative of the game. And they want the system of the game, the model of the game, whether it's a Euro game or a war game to shine through. Mm -hmm. So when you sit down and you play the patchwork Automa, Mm -hmm. one of the questions should be, do I experience the same kind of decisions and joy and frustration that I experience when I play patchwork against somebody else? And if the answer is yes, then you are playing against a good bot. Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, then you're not playing against a good bot. Right. So that to me is our North star for everything we do at GMT one. Okay. The, I so will say I play...
0: kind of disagree with that statement because I am not always trying to simulate the, and we have this argument, me and my co host, he's not on here this time. I'm not always trying to simulate the the multiplayer experience. I that's, am happy that's right, if though. I have a, a, a game that's a solid game, that's fun. That uses the same components.
1: It yeah, I to agree to with that. Goals. I do agree mm-hmm. with that. Um, I would differentiate between a solitaire game and a game being played solo.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: so yeah. um, I think there are definitely cases. Um, I'm working on one right now where there's a, I have a game and the, the two-player game is a block game where you can't see any okay. of your opponent's pieces. The solitaire game cannot work the same way. Right, it yeah, can't. Yeah. It, there, there's a physical limitation. So no matter what, it's going to feel like a different game. So the question then becomes, how do we make this a good solitaire game? Yep. And yeah, it's packed in the same box. It uses the same pieces, but it's a different game. Yep. As opposed to what we're doing with Coin or what we're doing with Space Corp or what we're doing with Tank Door, where we're trying to make it so that players can have a very similar experience to playing the multiplayer game via some sort of automa or bot or flowchart or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. And,
0: and you know, I, I get the wanting to simulate the multiplayer experience. If, if you're not simulating that, I kind of feel like I'm cheated. Oh, wow, I'm, I'm a solitaire player. Why don't I get to have the same experience as the multiplayer player, right? That's not fair and all that, but you, you got to accept that it just isn't going to be the same because it isn't a multiplayer experience, right?
1: Yeah, like, and I think that's that's one of the first questions that we have to ask when we go to the designer and we say, what is your intent with this game? Mm-hmm, and the okay. designer tells us, here's the story I'm trying to tell. Here's the model I've built. Here's the way that it works. As As developers, we might look at that and go, well, the best way to serve your player with solitaire is actually to design a solitaire game, not mm-hmm. to try to shoehorn some kind of bot into this. So
0: finish this game and let's work on another game later on the same theme if you want, but make it for solo.
1: Or or sometimes you can just put it in the box alongside. Oh, yeah,
0: or put the separate rule set. Yep.
1: But there's additional work that has to go into that when you do
0: that. Right, because then so, that's a whole new development process, or, right. or at least a large part of the new development process. Yeah. So that yeah so that becomes hard and then the, then it's a question for the designer do you want to go through right. all this again is it worth it to you or not
1: that's absolutely right and mm-hmm. and some designers are gonna say no and that's cool like right. I said there's never I never want a designer to think they have to do solitaire in order for a GMT to take a game because that's absolutely not true
0: mm-hmm. um, but makes sense.
1: the solitaire markets out there and people want that so yeah. as a designer I think it's smart to do solitaire
0: yep but it, but if it doesn't interest you in making it you know Nobody should force you to do it because it's gonna it's gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna enjoy doing right. it. The user's are not gonna enjoy playing it. Let's just move on.
1: <laughs> but that's why you know that's where my team can help is that we are there to help those designers who say I would love to have this in my game but I have no idea how to do it. Okay. So one of the projects I'm working on right now is I'm working with Jason Matthews to add solitaire play to Twilight Struggle Red Sea. So this is the lunchtime Twilight Struggle game.
0: Oh, okay. So and your process no, then ahead. to jump back to our question real quick. Is the the the, the way GMT One is involved in the development process is from the beginning deciding if it's something the designer wants to do, through making it, working with them to design it, possibly as an add-on because it's already a system that works well, or possibly as to- something totally separate, and just taking that through the development process.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that's that right. M-
0: may or may not affect the development time for a game, I guess. Just sort of depends.
1: Uh, Yeah, it just depends on what part of the game we're brought into and what the system looks like. So um, something like a Commands and Colors game Mm -hmm. or a CDG, because the system already exists and works, it really doesn't add any development time. We're just doing it during the rulebook editing process. Okay. Something like a system for Red Flag over Paris, it added some time, but not a whole lot because I was involved kind of in the late stages of playtesting. So the game had been finalized in terms of what the mechanics look like and what the gameplay looks like but they were still sanding off some rough edges and uh, i was able to come in and work on that and it took a, it only took a couple months to design the system for red flag over okay wow um
0: months sounds sounds like a long time but it really isn't because there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of playing that has to happen that's going to take time just... Yeah, that includes
1: all the playtesting, all the editing of the solo rules, everything. Wow, okay. So in 2 months, about 2 months we had a working that, That's pretty quick. and fun <laughs> solo system. Nice, okay. So um sometimes they take longer, sometimes they don't take as long. It just depends. Right. Um, so every game is different.
0: Right. Every game is different. Yeah, that totally makes sense cuz 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 each game is unique by its nature and each person's situation is different by it. By its nature, right? The That's developers right. Developers and the designers just got different needs and time and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well,
1: and just as you know, working on Space Corp Ventures, um, one that was like an expansion, right? So we already had mm-hmm. a solo system that we were adding onto, so it was baked in from the beginning. But then my designer, John, knows how to do solitaire design, so I wasn't doing the work for him there. Um, so it was easy, and it it flowed very naturally. But uh, working on uh, Twilight Struggle, Red Sea, Jason's not a solitaire designer. That's not what he does. So, um, you know, I'm sure he would be very capable of doing it. But when I volunteered, I I heard the audible sigh of relief of, oh, <laughs> okay. somebody else is going to do this. Whew. Cool. That's um, funny. <laughs> yeah. So so like every every game is different. Every designer is different. That's just the way it works.
0: OK. How do you how do you match a designer to the game? Um, like. Like it, Here's a game, a brand new game. Somebody came up with. It's time to pick the, the. I'm sorry, developer. The developer. How do you pick the developer that goes with the game?
1: It... That yeah, that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's sometimes the designer knows who they want to work with, which is great. Um, sometimes it's a matter of who has time to do it. Okay. But usually it's um, usually it's kind of interest based. So I'll get a project and I'll say, hey, we need to put. Um, we need somebody to work on this project. Here's kind of the state of affairs. And and I'll ask the group who wants it. And the person who volunteers is almost always the best person because they're interested. Mm-hmm. And that goes a long way because, again, nobody's getting rich doing this. This isn't like, you know, my day job, I manage people. And I can mm-hmm. tell them what to do because I pay them. Mm-hmm. Um, in my GMT job, I'm mostly managing people who are making very little money for the amount of time that they're putting into things. So I always feel bad telling somebody, hey, you have to do this. I always want them to be working on stuff they're excited about and they love to do. And that almost always leads to the best end result anyway.
0: Nice. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. If everybody's interested in in volunteering to do this work, because they know that making much off of it, I guess, or even if they are, the fact that they're interested is just going to drive it along. I mean, and that's true with anything, right? In life in general.
1: If you're interested
0: in it, you're more likely to do it.
1: Well, and that's how I ended up in this spot in the first place. Okay. This is entirely self-inflicted. So.
0: Inflicted, that's fun. I, I bet you're not suffering as much as you make it sound like. No, not, not suffering at all. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So can can you give us a, some just some suggestions for solitaire games for people that are not necessarily familiar with GMT? Like I think a lot of my listeners are, are Euro gamers, and I don't really know that, or, or even... Well, not necessarily war gamers. But if they want to get into a game, they they just want to support GMT, what would you recommend? What's an easy game to get into? What's a complicated game to get into? Whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, so let me start off by saying I am very excited about the state of Wargaming in general. So I'm not Mm going to limit myself to GMT. I know I'm supposed to be here. Okay, fair enough. You know, like... Gene will probably get mad that I'm not just (laughs) plugging GMT. Actually, he won't. He's super into the same thing. Um, So there's a lot of great solo games. you guys carry games that aren't GMT games already? Yeah, we distribute some (laughs) games from European uh, companies and things like that. You
0: you, you guys have supported other developers all the time and other companies. I mean, I've seen it. Um, Absolutely. I'd get a P500 game, and then it would be a flyer for victory point games all the time. It's like advertising for other people? What the heck is that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, So. so... I would say if you're if you don't know anything about GMT and you're interested in playing some historical solitaire games, um, a really great place to start would be um, Worthington Games 1759. Okay, um, that's a really great simple like entry level solitaire game that is a lot of fun. It's about the Siege of Quebec, um, so from the French and Indian War. Um, mm-hmm. Really cool game. Um, really enjoy that. Nice. Another another really good entry place would be um, more on the, from the GMT side would be uh, Washington's War, which is about the American Revolution. Okay. And you can solo that using the Stuka Joe system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a note about the Stuka Joe system. I think he said this when he was on here two weeks ago, but we're giving that away for free. Yes. So we've done some development work. It's kind of in art and layout right now. And when the rules are done and the layouts, then we're going to post all those files. So you can just print it out and have your own copy at home.
0: Yep, and it isn't if even you, that much to print out, right? You could buy it and support no. GMT, but it's it's a die and a couple sheets. It's what it looks like.
1: Yeah, basically, you're paying to get an engraved die instead mm-hmm. of a stickered die that you have to make yourself.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: um, I don't know about you, but I go I go out to thrift stores and buy um, any game that has dice that have indent indentations for stickers, so that I yes. can make my own dice later um
0: yeah. yeah i used to go to a thrift store here that I called the google outlet i don't know what it really is but it had these big bins and everything would be in the bins. you dig through the bins and so what happened invariably stuff would just get scattered and opened up so i would just dig through there and find miniatures from clue or dice or totally whatever. tons of that yeah.
1: stuff. so um so yeah washington's war would be a great one also okay. caesar caesar rome versus gaul if you like ancient games that would be mm-hmm. a great one to pick up for for solo play with the cdg system and then for more of a pure solo. So okay. if you want something that has a real solo system in it, a um, couple things I would recommend are Space Corp Ventures. That's not historical, but uh, is that's a GMT cool. game. That's tons of fun. And the, sol- the Space Corp and its expansion Space Corp Ventures, um, the, the solo system in there is really done by a master who, who gets solitaire design very deeply. Um, so it shines. Huh. Um, and I've then totally I'll, I'll plug my, too. I don't know why I, I don't I'll even plug my own game. Oh, okay. Uh, Red flag over Paris. You got it. Like the solo system in that one, Fred Serval designed it, but the solo system in that one's a lot of fun. And we had testers who never play solitaire games huh. and they said, if solitaire games were like this, I would play more solitaire games. Nice. That's a nice compliment. So <laughs> that was a big compliment. I was, I was grinning ear to ear when that happened.
0: I bet. Um, That's cool. So. I'm looking forward to that one the theme is interesting too for me
1: yeah yeah oh it's a lot of fun and then for a step up if you want something that's a little bit more a little bit more advanced um the d-day series from decision games d-day at omaha beach Mm -hmm. d-day at palaloo and d-day at Tarawa are also john butterfield games and that's right those games are so much fun and so interesting i learned so much about those battles that I did not know before playing the games. And, wow, okay. and those games come with booklets that have articles that were published in magazines about the battles and walk you through all the different parts of it. So you can know absolutely nothing about the invasion of Peleliu and pick that game up. And it has everything in the box that you need to learn. It's nice. so much fun. So it's,
0: it's not just a game. It's a history lesson. That's cool. It totally
1: is. Most of these games are.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yep. I, what was it? I played a uh, men of iron a few years ago. Uh-huh. And I knew nothing about that that kind of warfare. And I learned so much from playing that game and, and reading the notes in there. I forgot who designed it now.
1: Richard Berg.
0: Richard Berg, okay. Yeah. So reading his notes. Yeah, the late notes, Richard Berg. Late, I did not know that. It was it was neat to to read his notes. He was entertaining in, in the way he wrote too. And learning about how he the warfare was.
1: Yeah. He was a great writer.
0: And then playing the game and seeing the stuff he described and saying, Oh, here's why shield walls matter. And then I play through it and I say, Oh wow. Now I see what he's talking about. It really makes sense why these shield walls are so so impressive and so hard to fight against. And yeah, and you I really think learn that's from
1: it. at the end of the day, that's most of the difference between what you could call like a quote unquote war game and more of a Euro game is that the war games are trying to model something. Mm-hmm. So there's some fact or historical thing that is going on. And the goal of a conflict simulation, any kind of con sim, whether it's Twilight Struggle or, or Men of Iron, is to enlighten the players by showing them. A playable model of the events, um, and giving the players the levers to pull to change the outcomes. Yep, that which is really neat.
0: Cool. So, so you've you've told me about some games that I did not know about, which I will not have to check out. Thank you. Yeah, um, I am really excited to, to see more about these games and all that. Um, GM, are you, you got? You've mentioned that you're going to go back and add solo to some of the games. So I guess they're going to get the GMT One logo on the box. Are you going to? add the GMT-1 logo at anything that supports tier, just... Um, Fields of Fire, for example. Are you just going to add the GMT-1 logo to it?
1: <laughs> yeah, so the goal is that anything that my team works on has that logo, so... okay. We announced GMT-1 officially at the beginning of this year, so some mm-hmm. of the games that were at the printer early this year didn't get that logo, so Space Corp Ventures doesn't have it. But going forward, um, if you see that logo on a box, it means... My team has done work to make that game specifically playable for solitaire players, and the experience is promised to be, you know, better than average. It is. It is a specifically solitaire game. Okay. You might not like it. I can't promise you're going to like well, it. we yeah. thought about how you're going to play it. We've thought about solitaire play for that game. Nice.
0: Okay. And the reason I ask is because I want these games to be easy to find when I go to GMT's website. Right. Today sure. there's a. S- if you go into the games and you dig through, you find that there's a, a category of solitaire games, so it's a little bit hard to find it unless you spend some time looking for them. I'm waiting for when it's really, really easy to find solo solo games on GMT's website.
1: Yeah, and, and most of GMT's stuff at this point is solitaire-friendly to some That's degree.
0: That's true. I mean,
1: so, yeah, yeah. You, but if you if you look through the P500 offerings from the last couple months, um, In the Shadows has the GMT1 logo on the page. Okay. Um Vigia Nagara has a GMT1 logo on the page. Um, and the the games that are going up this month, one of them will have have a GMT1 logo because we are, yeah, we're spending time working with those designers from the ground up to make sure that Solitaire plays in their
0: game. Nice. Okay. And I, li- I like and the feels a logo, fire. Too, by the
1: way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was <laughs> Terry Leeds who did that. Um, okay. So it's
0: a nice and uh, little clever design.
1: It's really mm-hmm. simple, right? It um, mm-hmm. plays off the GMT logo itself, which I like. Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to say Fields of Fire is a dedicated solitaire game. So that's that's yeah. actually a little bit. One thing is our, our dedicated solitaire designers don't tend to work with me because <laughs> they're designing solitaire to yeah. begin with. So of course their games are solitaire friendly. So that's one of the tensions that we're going to have to work out is how do we mark those games so that everybody understands that those games are also extremely well suited for solitaire. In fact, mostly suited for solitaire mm-hmm. um, and and find those more easily um so i would encourage people just because it doesn't have a gmt1 logo if it's still a solitaire game it's still good for solitaire
0: <laughs> yep and if and if you're the kind of player that doesn't mind playing both sides pretty much any game that thematically looks interesting you check it out cuz oh yeah it could probably be played solitaire many most can i think not everything i think the biggest exception like you said is the block war games
1: block war games are tough i mean if you want to play a block war game solitaire i would recommend fields of despair by kurt keckley okay um that game has a full solitaire system in it even though it's a block game
0: okay um
1: and it's really innovative um the only downside to it is you can't play so fields of despair is about world war Mm one and the early days of world war one were not characterized by trench warfare like the later days okay um so World War One actually starts out very mobile and then settles into trench warfare. The solitaire system picks up at the trench part. And so that's kind of the less interesting part of the conflict to me. I think the early days mm-hmm. are much more interesting and you can't play that part with the solitaire system. But the work Kurt did to put Solo into that game is really interesting and really fun. And it, it illustrates a lot of the principles that I've talked about. Like how do you make sure that a player feels the same things when they play the game? solitaire is when they play multiplayer um, yep so yeah he did a great job with that
0: i mean he, hearing you talk about all these games get so me so excited about them and i would check them all out but the, the fact is i just don't have the time <laughs>
1: yeah nobody does there's too many games somebody needs to invent a machine that doubles the amount of time that i have to play games <laughs> um so if anybody out there is listening and has a suggestion for how to do that let me know i'm, I'm all ears
0: yeah are you familiar with uh william s burroughs the cut up yeah he will cut, cut up your rule books in half and just combine them and combine all your components, there you and you, there you go. I'm sure there it'll I work. Go. Yeah, multiple <laughs> games at once. That's the answer, right? That's right. Good as well. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, I'm really excited about GMT1. If listeners want to know more, I think right now the place to get the most information is going back to GMT's website and checking the newsletters for the last few months because stuff is mentioned in those.
1: Yeah, that would be a good place to start. And yeah, I, I publish a, a blog post every other week on Tuesday. Okay. Um, on insidegmt.com, it's called Inside GMT One. Okay. And it talks about something we're working on. So this week's post on Tuesday will be about uh, the design of the Fire in the Lake bots. Um, but last week I talked about the solitaire system in Red Flag Over Paris, mm-hmm. and um, the week be- two weeks before that I talked about Fields of Fire. So. A lot of the things we've talked about here, I've been talking about on the blog. So definitely check it out.
0: So I will include links for for all that stuff for for the listeners. All right. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing a lot more.
1: Yeah, thanks.